You're listening to the BICBP Radio Network. Welcome to the Jaws of Life. Let me talk to you. What's going on, everybody? I am Jaws. This is the Jaws of Life, and I am back. Episode number one, the first official episode, the common debauchery, uh, debaucherous farewell, is on the board, out in the interwebs, and out there for you to consume. Episode zero, the intro episode of the Jaws of Life, is up and running. You can go listen to that. This is the official episode number one, the first one of its kind that is not just me explaining what Jaws of Life is going to be, because I'll be honest with you, I don't know, so I gave it my best shot, and we'll see where we go. Um, I was sitting here during my work day today, and you know, in some downtime, I was scrolling Twitter. Not that I do that a ton at work, but... You know, when I get breaks and stuff like that, I want to jump on and see what's going on in the X-verse, the Twitterverse, if you will. And um, somebody posted something that was like, why do people call championships chips, C-H-I-P-S? And that drives me up a friggin' wall. And it shouldn't, but it does. Something you guys will find about me is I have, there's weird things that just drive me bonkers. And that's one of them, right? Because it's not a chip. We're not, it's not, it's not something you dip in French onion dip. It's not made by Lay's or Ruffles and it's not something you put in a cookie. It's not a chocolate chip. It's a champion ship. It's a ship S H I P. And there's an entire, uh, it's one of the, it's one of my favorite scenes from the hockey players on letter Kenny where they're talking about getting gains in the off season and coming in ready to play for the letter Kenny Irish only to find out that they've folded and they get pro- uh, a proposition from their coach for, you know, who's, who's known on the show as coach and it's fucking embarrassing. Um, that's a line from the show. Calm down. They basically get proposition that, you know, he is that their options are to hang him up. They don't want to do that. Go, a few towns over to play for their, as and, and I quote, senior A whale shit hockey team. And they said, you know, traveling to play when you like traveling for away games was borderline for senior A whale shit. <clears throat> traveling to play as a whole is just not what they want to do. And he basically suggests to them that their option is to join the women's team as coaches. And they kind of hemmed and hawed about it. But then he's talked about like, you know, that they had won back to back boats and when this came out there were people who watched it who didn't understand what they were talking about because people don't call championships ships they used to it was a thing we're going to win the ship we're going to the ship and they took that like oh we're going to the ship oh we're going to get on the boat we're going to bring that boat home right i loved it i thought it was clever i thought it was great and it was a fun extension on winning a ship or going to the ship. And somewhere along the way, because people can't read or spell, it got turned into chip, and I hate it. But what this did is this ended up making me think about how much 
I love the show Letterkenny. 12 seasons. 12 seasons on Hulu. If you're Canadian, it's on Crave. Uh, about Hicks, D-Gens, hockey players, Mennonites, and the natives. And it's funny. It's dry. It, it, it's not everyone's cup of tea. Truth be told, um, the, the, the wife... Alley Cat, a.k.a. AJ, not a fan. Doesn't the, the humor doesn't strike her, doesn't tickle her funny bone. And I love this show. It it had its ups and downs. There was like a three-season lull here near the end. I thought the last season was really, really good. The best thing that came from Letterkenny, for those playing the home game, is a spinoff show. It's not often. It's not often that a show produces a spinoff that's as good. It's less common that a show produces a spinoff that, in my opinion, is better, right? So I really, really don't think I can think of a show off the top of my head that spun off another show. And there's a ton of them, all right? These things are everywhere. CSI started. They introduced you to a character that was a one-off that people kind of liked, so that started CSI Miami and CSI Chicago and CSI LA and CSI Random Navy Base and CSI, same thing. I mean, you know, like Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, like I just, they're, they're spinoff shows. I don't know that I've ever watched a spinoff show and been like, somehow I like this one more than the OG. Having watched and fell in love with the OG, I believe that people have done it with other shows, with spinoffs, where they watch the spinoff first, and then they say, oh, I went and watched the original, and it's just not as good, in my opinion. And that I understand. But when you, when you like, for me, I fell in love with Letterkenny and a majority of the characters from Jump Street. From day one, I thought it was funny. Uh, if you haven't seen the, the original cold open where the hockey players and the Hicks get into a little chirp battle and it's not a battle it's a slaughter i laughed my ass off and much like i did with sons of anarchy who by the way had its own spinoff called the mayans that i just couldn't get into because it wasn't sons i i dove in I was like, yeah let's go i watched it i loved it it was awesome and that, that includes some of the weirdly awkwardly long like music interludes that the show has and somewhere along the way they introduced a a, 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 a one-off character named Shorzy and the only thing we know about this character one we never see his face at most later on in the show you see from his like just like from above his lip down and it turns out part of the reason for that is because he's played by the guy who plays the main character so you can't have two dudes who look the same that aren't related on the show, right? And all he does is, is chirp. All he does is talk smack, you know, tell people to give their balls a tug, calls them TFers. I don't know why I'm censoring myself. I get, I don't know, whatever. Uh, and he chirps the two hockey players. And that like that's really the only person, the only people he ever interacts with is those two. And it's some of the funniest material on the show. And they come out and they're like, hey, we're doing a spinoff. They write it into the show where after being featured through the men's senior A national tournament on basically a YouTube channel 
that's sponsored by an energy drink. They he gains some popularity and then you find out he's going to go up north to the Northern Ontario Senior Hockey Organization or the No Show which is considered a a higher level of hockey than like I I believe they're senior AAA. So technically guys who like get cut or get released from the NHL end up going and playing in leagues like in you know senior AAA stuff like that. So this is your like a bunch of dudes who have played, you know, played pros, not playing pros anymore, maybe reti- you know are are too old but still want to play or got cut waiting for their next opportunity, stuff like that. And the dude's training for it. And then they send him off. And the first time you see any semblance of the guy's face is the last scene he's actually like in that on that season where he pulls up to Sudbury, Ontario and with, you know, has his shirt off and just turns and smirks. And they take off from there. Basically, he's on a team that you 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 walk into the show and they just got pumped for goose for the 20th loss of the campaign right and that's where we take off from this show and i'm not going to ruin a whole lot of plot for you here i'm not if you've seen it you know i don't have to if you haven't seen it i don't want to ruin it right but it got me thinking as to why why a show about a weird, goofy, one-off, what should have been a one- or two-off character ended up being so damn good, and why it ended up being so damn good. And I was talking to a young man the other day where he watches the show. He actually went to Sudbury. Um, He was doing a college visit. In Sudbury, he went and saw the house where Letterkenny is filmed, uh, actually met the people who own the house and like had a laugh with them, but like went and saw a hockey game for the Sudbury hockey team that's there, stuff like that. Um, and him and I, whenever we see each other, we kind of chit-chat about the show. And we sat there and we talked about it, about how some of, like, and this is true for Letterkenny too, that the, the realism and the legitimacy behind the people on the show is what makes it so good. So when you talk about Letterkenny, uh, the the creator, Jared Kiso, who's also the main character in both of these shows, Wayne and Shorzy, um, he did an interview on a radio show where he talked about some of the slang and some of the terminology and the way people talk and everything else. The show, Letterkenny, is based on his view of his life growing up in a very small north uh, in, a, in a small northern farming town in Ontario and you know the problems that come with living there and the things that impact everyday life things like that and it's funny because he dives so into like the dialect the way they speak the way they carry themselves you know the way different people and in, in different walks of life act and how different it is to see your, you know, your buttoned up, super appropriate hick versus, you know, the D-Gens who are hicks, but who do stupid shit all the time. And, you know, then there's the hockey players who are basically bro dudes. And then, you know, you've got the skids who are into meth and the dark web and stuff like that. And like, and just the different people they interact with and the characters and stuff and the, the slang that they use 
uh, one of my favorites is the is the phrase pertinier. So you're talking to somebody and you know like oh yeah I was, you know I was driving the snow here in uh, in western New York in Buffalo and you know I, I hit the skid and I damn near put my damn near put my truck in a ditch. Well up there they say instead of saying damn near they say pertinier. I don't know why. It's I think it's a shortened version of pretty damn near pertinier. I don't know. I like it and it's actually become part of my you know general vernacular, which is a lot of fun because people look at me like I'm crazy when I say it. He took that. You know, he, he took that what he wanted authenticity for Letterkenny, and he really dove into it in Shorzy to the point that it's the, there are people who consider this one of, if not the best hockey show ever. Uh, so it follows Shorzy again, who joins this hockey team who is not very good. And again, they're they've lost 20, 20 games on the season. They have four games left. And the owner's basically saying, I'm just going to fold the team. Nobody's coming. We're not making money. It's costing me money to run this team. It's not worth it anymore. Shorzy, who is a diehard hockey guy, says, please don't do that. Please don't, you know, don't fold the team. And she goes, what's in it for me? He basically says, we'll never lose again. And he starts introducing... Uh, they were they're referred to as sluts, uh, which is actually a real hockey term, basically saying guys who just go around to play hockey in different leagues, wherever, whenever, however, they're basically rent to players. They're not homegrown talent by any means. You know, they're not local boys. They're guys who just travel around to play hockey. And Kiso himself played junior A, which is one of the highest levels right before you get to drafting and getting into the NHL and he starts introducing other characters guys that he's bringing in and a couple of them you know and you've seen in you know during the senior a tournament uh arc in Letterkenny but you barely like the only one you really realize who it is because they talk about him a lot and it's uh Jean-Jacques Francis Jean uh, Jacques Jean or something JJ Frankie JJ right and He's it's funny because he the dude pops up in my Facebook feed for advertisements for like big guy apparel now, which is funny. But um, him and Shorzy had a little little tiffed <laughs> during the senior A tournament in Letterkenny. But uh, yeah, so he, like he brings these guys in and he starts telling their stories, like who they are and why he's bringing them in. And he like their their names are changed. Their names are different for the show. But the story like who they are is real. Right. So um, Ted Hitchcock, one of my favorite players, he's from Newfoundland and his character is fantastic. He has a heavy Newfoundland accent. He talks funny, uh, uses their slang. For those who don't know, uh, Newfoundland is considered very strange by Canadian standards. So when we look at Canadians and go, you're kind of weird, that's how they look at Newfoundlanders. And their slang is fantastic. So Newfoundland slang, from what I from what I've gathered, from the research I've done, which is somewhat limited, but I've done some, which is more than most people, I would assume. Picture like people from the from a cage from like 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 Cajun people. Okay. So they they speak English, but it's their own version, right? It's it's their own how they speak, the 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 terms they use, the the slang that they they pepper off. Stuff like that. 
it's that, but instead of it being so Cajun, from my understanding, is Southern French. This is Irish French Canadian. With a little less emphasis on the French. Like, so it's it's hilarious. And so this dude plays into it really, really well. And when they're telling his story, you know, he's a third round draft pick for the NHL. It's true. He was. Now, again, his name's not Ted Hitchcock. They use that name for a joke in the show, because if you say it real quick, it sounds like something else. Um, there's a character who goes by Dolo. He, you know, he was a, a, a high end draft pick in the NHL and gave it up for to, to become a rapper and was playing some senior hockey. And somebody dropped a slang term about his family and he climbed into the stands and beat the crap out of somebody. And that was the last time he played prior to the show, according to the show. So uh, like and most of that is true. Um, so like and. Uh, Kiso, who writes the show and helps and basically, you know, he writes and I believe produces his entire thing is he wants the authenticity, right? He wants the legitimacy. So when you see them playing hockey, there's times you can kind of tell, you know, the goalies aren't really like they're they're giving up a goal like they know they're giving up a goal, but they want like they want the guys doing it to look legitimate. They want the guys doing it to look like they know what they're doing and they do because they do. Uh, they use a lot of guys from the local senior hockey team, the Sudbury Wolves, I believe they're called, um, as, like as extras. So these guys who played high end and some even had stints in the NHL hockey are out there with legitimate hockey players playing hockey and they film it and use clips of it. And then they're like, OK, so we need this goal we need this to happen like okay let's film that let's get make sure we get this like that's let's take care of that and it looks legitimate it looks really good the the locker room culture you know guys not stepping on the logo which they don't really touch on a ton I, it's just because it's just supposed to be understood now if you ever watched the show or the movie the goon it was a huge centering point that you know the 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 team wasn't very good and guys you know didn't care they walked across the logo um you know, they uh, Lafleur, I believe, is the is the 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 cocky French Canadian kid in that like spits on it and Doug the thug gets down and like wipes it off and like he changes the culture. Like they, they don't have to go over that because it's kind of understood, um, you know, and but like the the pregame calling out the lineup, you know, Hitch, you ready? Let's get on the go, boys in the whole locker room. Oh, uh, and so they call off the starting line of who's starting. Uh, you got a line. You got a line of enforcers. You got the gyms. It's old school hockey. You have a your fourth line isn't just dudes who are like, well, we're gonna let them skate for about five minutes tonight to to give other guys a break. No, the gyms had a job. The gyms are unbelievable. The gyms are such fucking beauties. Uh, and the cool part about that is, two of the gyms. All three of their name is Jim. It's it's a thing. Just go watch the show. You'll understand. Uh are the son, or sons, two of them, the sons of former Sabres head coach Ted Nolan. Awesome. It's so cool. Their characters are, it's a very simple approach, a very simple thing, but they're, it's great. It's awesome. Uh, the other, the third gym is, and I believe all of the, all of these guys to some level were legitimate NHL or legitimate 
pro hockey tough guys. Uh, the one dude, he like he tells the story like, "Hey, how many times you've been knocked out?" He's like, "Oh, no, or he, like, or uh, how many concussions you had? Oh, I never had a concussion. How many times you've been knocked out? Oh, more than a handful." And they're like, "Oh, and that's a true story." Like he he actually told that story. Like, yeah, I don't know that I've ever had a concussion. I've been knocked out in a few fights before, but I don't think I've ever had a concussion. And it, like he just plays the character fantastically, uh, top to bottom. You know, they have the. The, the supporting cast that, you know, doesn't love the new guys, but they love scoring, they love winning, um, stuff like that. And the show is just so, so, so good. And, again, if you haven't, I highly recommend, right? I highly, highly recommend watching the show. It's on Hulu. Uh, Canadians, it's on Crave. I don't know if any Canadians are going to hear me, but it's, a, it's really funny. Um, and it's got some solid... Like, I mean, I don't want to say life lessons, but kind of like life lessons, you know, it's there's some stuff on there that it's just, you know, it in in the first in the first episode, they start talking about the fact that, you know, the difference between loving to win and hating to lose. And as a coach and as life as, as an athlete myself, there's a difference. Everybody likes winning. Winning is fun. Winning is easy. Um, You know. They, that's what the guys who like to win versus guys who hate to lose are separated by things like, oh, I like to win. So I go and play low C co-ed softball because I'm really, really good. And that's the other thing is like be like I like doing well versus I like to win versus I hate to lose. And a lot of those things like they're they're all different. You know, there are guys, guys who hate to lose are guys who would rather go 0 for 4 at the plate if you're a baseball guy and win versus going 4 for 4 and losing. If you like, oh, but you know, yeah, you go 0 for 4 a lot, you're not going to be on a team. But game to game, would you rather go 0 for 4 and win or 4 for 4 and, and lose? Because that tells me if you love to win or if you hate to lose. I don't know, just me. Uh, not going to get too deep on that, but you know, there, there's different conversations about you know being a teammate and what that means, um, things like that. It's it's really really interesting from a sports standpoint. If you've played sports to any level above rec leagues, house leagues, town ball, town hockey, whatever. If you've ever played to a significant competition level, and it doesn't even have to be pros. Like just some significant level, even into high school, I would think. I think you can appreciate some of the messages about being on a team, being a teammate, and what it means. Um, and it's it really it's one of the reasons I love the show so much because it speaks to that coach and that athlete in me. And it just got like they just dropped season two. They're about like season three is coming up this spring, and it just keeps getting better. Uh, it they're, they're like Letter Kenny has. In my opinion, a co- like each season has at least one episode, maybe two, that has that weird, awkward, like, what did I just watch? Shorzy has that on the surface, but when you look at it, like, why did I just, like, what am I sitting here watching this, like, adopted family reunion thing? But it kind of tell like, it, it's legitimately to tell a story. It's not just storyline for the sake of occupying screen time which there were a few times on letter kenny it felt like they were just kind of occupying screen time still a great show still love it but everything in shorzy feels like it has a purpose um again if i were giving this so i used to do a show called the producers with uh, my buddy austin aka Statman slash stat dad from hats stats and stats and we would rate 
the shows, or, you know, shows and movies. Producers was about TV shows and movies, and we would, we would rate them. This would be a 6 out of 5 for me, a, a, an 11 out of 10. So well, there were two of us. We each had five stars to give. I would give more than five stars if given the opportunity to the show. It is that damn good. If you haven't, I highly recommend it. It's And it's funny because they quip back and forth enough that I know people who have to watch it with subtitles on just so they can keep up at times. Um, you know, and you do have a character who solely speaks French, so they subtitle him for you. Uh, there's a guy, one of the guys speaks very softly, you know, guys like, like, and most of his lines are things like settle down, sticks are unbelievable, but it's, that's the tone. It's quiet. Right. So, you know, I've legitimately, I've watched this show through at least four times already. Uh, I've seen season one at least five times and I've watched now season two, at least two or three that I can think of, um, it's kind of like my get jacked up show now. I that that's all there is to it. Um, yeah. So, uh, segment about Letter Kenny, I guess. Um, I feel like what I'm going to do with the Jaws of Life is I'm going to do. If I hit this like twenty to twenty five minute mark, I'm going to do end up doing more than one segment per episode, and obviously I'll know that I'm doing that so I can account for it, but uh. I think that's kind of what I'm going to do. So I'm going to cut it off here around the 25 minute mark. And, um, cause I've, I've, I've said my piece. I've said what I've come to say. So, um, yeah, go watch Shorzy. You fucking losers. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. It's on now. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Yo, yo. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Welcome back, everybody. Another segment of the Jaws of Life. Uh this is interesting. So I, I'm actually I'm enjoying this uh, the way I've decided to do this by breaking the show up into segments, especially when I'm talking alone. And so you can kind of expect longer episodes when it's me and somebody else. If Alley Cat joins me or if somebody else wants to jump on and talk about really whatever. Uh, but one of the big things here is I am. I'm trying to have some fun with this. I'm trying to, you know, flex my creative brain. And as you just heard, that was a compilation of the Yeah, buddy from Ronnie Coleman. Uh, if you don't know who Ronnie Coleman was, Ronnie Coleman was one of the most freak uh, bodybuilders ever. Uh, multi-time Mr. Universe, I believe. And I'm not going to look this up, so you can look it up but and correct me if I'm wrong. But I believe he was the one who dethroned Arnold as Mr. Universe. Um and he had an incredible run as Mr. Universe multi-time. And I believe he, the first one he didn't win, it's because he tore a muscle in his back and like his back wasn't symmetrical or something. The dude's insane. Watching his workouts was nuts. Um, you know, he was always, you know, light ass weight, lightweight, baby, lightweight. Ain't nobody want to lift this heavy ass weight. I do, though. All kinds of fun stuff. The man was, uh, he was a mood. He was a vibe when he was at the gym. And um I, I intentionally use that segment, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to find sound clips, stuff like that, kind of like you would on a radio show. 
Uh, for those who don't know, I did work in local radio for a little bit, had a lot of fun, learned a lot of fun stuff um, up to and including different segments, segues, uh, stuff like that. So I'm going to, you know, toss in toss in something to break up the, the first segment and the second segment. Or if there's more than one, I don't know, maybe there's more than one break. If I do like three short segments, whatever I decide to do, it's my show. We're just you're all just living in it. Uh, that's why it's called the Jaws of Life. So. Uh, I use that one intentionally this time because what I wanted to talk about, this has been something that I've wanted to talk about for a while. Um, and you're going to you're gonna see here on Jaws of Life that this is more, it's not as always as lighthearted or goofy as Common Debauchery was. So there's going to be some, a little bit more to it than that. Uh, but I've wanted to talk about this one for a while because it's been bugging me a lot. And because I'm in the world of, of content creation with, with the podcast and stuff like that, uh, I spend I spend more time than I'd probably like to on social media, and it's tough. Social media is tough. Um, you know, you you end up in a weird headspace from it from time to time. There's times I have to walk away just to to cleanse my brain of the crap that is social media. And and don't get it wrong. Don't get it. It's crap. Social media sucks. Um, social media for for the youngins who may be listening to this. Hopefully, you're not listening to me if you're under eighteen. Um, but you know, there, there are, uh, you know, I'm not going to go there, whatever. Um, social media started off for, it was in my generation, right? It was my generation coming through high school with something called MySpace, MySpace and AOL instant messenger. So when AOL instant messenger, which is just a, a, a an easier way to talk to multiple people at the same time. It was texting before before texting was really a thing, and then it was texting when texting cost ten cents to send and five cents to receive, or vice versa. However, that worked. Shout out to uh, mom and papa Jaws who got the seven hundred dollar cell phone bill the first time that I figured out that my phone had texting capabilities, and I stayed up till like two in the morning texting a girl I liked. Um, that didn't go over well in my household. However, that's not what we're here to talk about. Uh, we went into MySpace. MySpace was, and this is. As stupid as this sounds, this is where the so, uh, the social media toxicity started. Was way back in the day of MySpace. You had a profile picture. You could upload other pictures, change your profile picture. You could post like uh, kind of like blogs, I guess they were. Um, you know, you could write things. You had a, you could pick a song to put on your profile. So when people went to check your profile, they knew what your favorite song was, or what your jam was, or what you were feeling at the moment. Um, Somehow we like you, you ended up being able to change like the color and stuff of your profile and the background and whatnot. We were doing like website coding before we knew what website coding was. And the toxicity started with the top eight. Now, for those who don't know, MySpace, you got to pick the the eight friends that showed on your profile when someone went to your profile. So if you clicked on Jaws's profile, there were you were gonna see eight friends of Jazz's that he chose to be in that eight. Okay, we all had to pick seven because Tom, who was the creator of MySpace, MySpace Tom, was number one on everyone's list. He was everyone's friend because I'm sure he was a lonely soul who just wanted to have friends. I get it. It happens. Weird way to seem like the most popular man on the planet. But I digress. When you when you picked your top eight, inherently and inevitably there was someone who was mad they didn't make it. And then if you switched up your top eight, if you changed it up, if you pulled a little rope of dope, you made someone else mad when they noticed you took them out of your top eight. 
and things got crazy, right? Now, in this day and age, that's not a thing. They ended up like eventually they expanded it to the top 16 or the top 12 or I don't know. I don't know how, what, what number they ended it at, but it was insane, right? It was crazy. And we started a lot of fights, right? And then people post things. And this was before, you know, the understanding of everything you put on the Internet is on the Internet mostly for a long, long time. Um, you know, you'd post things that would piss someone off or like, you know, this is where, you know, the concept of subtweeting would come in. You'd throw something up on MySpace that was meant to be seen by someone. And nine times out of ten, it made everybody but the person you wanted to see it ask you questions. Um you know, you'd throw a song, and this stemmed into Facebook, right? Then you Facebook, you throw a song lyric up, and next thing you know, mom and dad are, you know, what's that about? It's like, it's a song lyric. I like the song. I like the lyric. Go away. It doesn't mean anything. Sometimes it meant stuff. Sometimes it didn't, regardless. Um, and my Facebook initially for, you know, you had to have a .edu email address to be on Facebook. It was meant for college kids. And they marketed it kind of like MySpace for college, where you got to keep in touch with your high school friends. You know, you could post a status about what you were doing, where you were, pictures, whole nine yards. And now everyone's got Facebook. Grandma's got Facebook. You know, I'm I pretty sure the younger generation looks at Facebook like, oh, that's so old and antiquated, which is fine. You know, things come and go, ebbs and flows. But this leads me. And if you want to go back and listen to a full conversation about social media and stuff like that, and who knows, it may be something I dive back into maybe in a conversation with someone on the show. Um you know, you can. I'm sure there's an episode or two about it on Common Debauchery. Those episodes are still up. Uh, Spotify, Apple, Whole Nine Yards, BICBP Radio Network. Um, yeah, so um, you can always check those out. But what I want to talk about on on this episode of Jaws of Life or this segment of Jaws of Life is the toxicity of social media that's hidden in motivation, inspiration, positivity. So it's called toxic positivity. It's it's toxic inspiration. And I so I can tell you that I lived in this world for a while. OK, so little 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 jazz story here, little little tale of the tape, if you will. Um, I was in a relationship and the girl I was with at the time, who is not the alley cat. Um, you know, I was a big I've always been a big guy, I've been a big guy my whole life. And. Because of a job change that made me work obscene hours and not sleep much and eat like crap, I'd put on some weight. And we as a couple didn't eat well either. One of my best friends was losing a ton of weight on a meal prep service. He got me onto it because she basically told me didn't want to be the girl dating a 400-pound guy she couldn't get her arms around. Started losing weight, started getting in shape, and dove into the gym world. So this is how we, we tie back in the the Mark Coleman um, sound effect there. And when you dive into this world initially, you, oh yeah, Mark Coleman. Yeah, buddy. Making sure I have the right Ronnie Coleman. Mark Coleman was an MMA fighter. Ronnie Coleman. Sorry. I knew I was messing that up. Um, when you dive into the gym world initially, the first time in your life, right? You, there's, some like you, you, you start following fitness accounts, you start following, you know, fitness, fitness influencers, whatever you want to call them. Um, and there's a certain thing, there's certain ways that people post, there's certain things that people post. Um, you know, and some of my stuff was, you know, the gym doesn't care that it's 
five in the morning, get your ass up and go work out. The gym doesn't care that it's two degrees outside. Get your ass to the gym. Stuff like that. Um, you know, the gym's still open whether you're here or not. All kinds of stuff. And everyone has their own brand or flavor of what they do and how they do it. Um, but it, it becomes this this toxic positivity and this toxic inspiration where you think you're trying to inspire people. Like, if I can do it, you can do it. And the thing that you don't realize when you're living in that world, right, when you when you dive into that world initially, is that you're not everyone else and everyone else isn't you, right? Um, now, some there are people who are going to hear this. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. I don't know. Uh, but I'm sure at some point one person may tune in to and hear this segment and say, when you say things like, everyone deals with things, everyone's got stuff going on, and you can't speak solely to the, you can't speak solely, you know, about that type of stuff, you're making excuses, right? Like, you can't just say, nobody cares, go to the gym. Now, or you can you can say that because nobody cares. Everyone's dealing with stuff. Go to the gym. It's not an excuse. You, you know, you want to be healthy. Go to the gym. Well, you know, the the thing that you don't think about when you're in that world and you're in that headspace is people are dealing with things. It, it's not it, like th- that general concept is you're just lazy. Stop being lazy. But that's not always the case. I, it, is that true for some people? Yes. Is that true for everyone? Hardly. Right. So nobody cares. Go to the gym. Blanket statement. You know, like if if you don't wake up and go to the gym every morning, you're not mentally tough. Um, you know, uh, yet you have no idea that, the you know, somebody that you, you post that right. You post about, you know, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, 5 a.m. or 2 a.m. on the other side, on the end of a long day. Nobody cares. Go to the gym. If you don't, you suck. You're not mentally tough. You're not tough enough to, you know, you're, you're, you're a beta. You're not an alpha. You know, you're not an alpha male or whatever. You know, you're not dedicated enough. And you have to start asking questions about this because is it really healthy after if you work a 16 a, a hour shift? Is it healthy to go to the gym at 2 a.m. And, and short yourself more sleep? No, it's not. Uh, and, and again, I'm, I'm talking this having done it, right? I'm the guy that would work an overnight shift, get out at 7 a.m., go to the gym, go home, sleep, wake up, shower, go back to work for, for 16 hours, get out, go to the gym, go home, go to bed, go back to work for 16 hours, get up, go to the gym, and then work all day on little to no sleep. There were legitimately days that I was awake from 11, or sorry, I would get up around like 9.30, 9.45, on Sunday night, go to work to clock in at 1045, would work till 3 p.m., would get out, go to the gym, go home, take a shower, eat something, go play a football game or two or a baseball game or two. And then depending upon whether I was, you know, what, like how, how serious I was into, and, and this, a lot of it tied to being in prep for a fight, stuff like that, have a beer or two. Like during the winter when I wasn't in fight camp, like we'd play a football game, sometimes two, and then go to the bar till four a.m. So I was up from nine thirty for uh, Sunday night until four in the morning on Tuesday. 
And in that time, I got three workouts in without sleep. Nobody cares. Go to the gym. I was killing myself. I was legitimately on the verge of of crashing regularly. Now, you're going to say, oh, you shouldn't have been drinking if you were going to the other part of the gym. But like, listen, some people want to live completely clean. Some people want to, you know, be able to go out, have a beer and enjoy that to each their own. And then judging that, if that's what you heard in, in what I was saying, it's part of the problem. Right. So. This and this isn't just a gym thing. So please don't take that this way. It's not just a gym thing. You know, people people do this with, you know, when it comes to money. People do this when it comes to being able to take vacations. So it's easy to look at someone else's social media, right? And you see them at the gym, posting at the gym. You see them posting about a new car or a new toy that they bought. And then you see them posting about a vacation that they're on and stuff like that. And you're sitting there like, damn, like, what am I doing wrong? Like, I'm I'm fighting like sickness and health issues where, you know, I, I can't go to the gym. Like, I physically am incapable of doing it. And I work 60 hours a week and I can't afford to buy new toys. And I haven't gone on vacation in five years. And I'm trying. I, I'm, I'm trying. It's not like I'm spending money on frivolous things. It's not like I'm, you know, it's not like I'm just, I, I have time and I have the energy and I'm healthy enough to go to the gym and I'm just choosing not to. Like, but I watched this person do it and the way they, and listen, it's not about the fact that you post about it. It's not about the fact that you're doing it. It's the toxic side of what you say about doing it. It's not that you're, you know, that, that you, you've worked and gotten to a point or you're lucky to be able to do those things because don't get it twisted. A lot of those things come with some luck, right? There are people who post about the things that they own by and the trips that they take. And the reason they're able to do those things is because oh, at one point, a few years ago, they happened into a large sum of sum of money on one or two occasions. Sometimes, you know, you, no matter how that large sum of money came to you, if you didn't have that, if you if you didn't have that fifty, eighty, ninety thousand dollar lump sum that you got through a settlement of some kind or whatever it may be, um, you wouldn't be doing those things. Listen, if, if there are a lot of people out there who, if you handed a large sum of money, would instantly change their life, instantly. You hand someone 50 grand, your your average run-of-the-mill person, as long as they don't do something stupid with it, it makes doing other things easier, right? So when you talk about a job change, oh, I hate my job. I hate my job. Jobs are necessary. We got to pay for stuff, right? So you hate your job. And uh, if you've been in the education, or not the education, but if you've been in the, if you've been in the real world at all, you go, you have a certificate, you have a degree, you have a qualification, something you go to apply for a job and you look like, okay, I need to make at least X. I'm at a job. I'm making that. I need to make at least that to pay my bills. Okay, cool. Great. Awesome. Um, you go, you start looking for jobs. Hey, this is, this job pays around what I make right now. Maybe it's a little bit less, but I could, I could make this jump and it's a job I would like to do. Oh, I'm not qualified because they want 10 years of experience for this entry level position. Like that, that's a world we live in. Now, 
to take a, a, to take a job that would get me that experience, I would have to take a ten thousand dollar a year pay cut or more. You hand me a you hand me fifty thousand dollars, I can probably make that move. And you know, but but if, but without that, I have to make other decisions. So to sit there and 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 be on social media, like, like go to the gym, post about going to the gym. But you know what the gym's about? It's about you. It's about you and your health. It's about you and your your battles, your struggles, your fitness, your journey. That's what it's about. It's not about telling other people they suck because they're not on your level. And again, I've done it. I've been that guy. I have been the guy who's basically been like, if you're not going to the gym at least four to, four to five times a week, you're garbage, you're less than, you suck. Did I know that that's what I was saying? I mean, like I, I knew like there was some sarcasm and some, you know, I don't even know how to how to phrase it, but I knew there was something about what I was saying that was kind of like poking that shot. And you hear when you're when you're that person posting it again because I've been that guy. And someone's like, "Yeah, not for nothing, man, but that's kind of that that kind of sucks to say. Like that sucks to say to somebody. What if somebody can't? What if somebody's not healthy? Like you know, healthy enough to go to the gym? What if somebody's you know got other mitigating circumstances that doesn't allow them to do that? Well, that's not who that's for." No, but that's who's reading it. That's the thing. Like you have to understand who's reading what you're saying, so that like it, it it's that toxic inspiration. You want to be inspiring, be be honest. You know, listen, I I struggle. I it, like I I struggle. Me personally, this is a true story. I struggle, right? I struggle getting up to go to the gym. I pay a trainer. I I pay to go see my old trainer twice a week, and there are days that alarm goes off and I go, fuck. And there are days my body hurts and I can't, I I just, I can't will myself out of bed to do it those days. Does that mean I'm less of a person for it? No. Cause guess what? I also work 12 hour days, but nobody cares about that. Jim doesn't care. Guess what? Jim, the gym doesn't care. It's still there. It's going to be there whether I'm there or not. And at the end of the day, sometimes you got to listen to your body missing a day at the gym, unless you're in prep. For unless you're in, like in fight camp or you're in prep for a show, missing a day at the gym when you need to because your body hurts or you need to, sometimes that extra forty five minutes of sleep is more important than getting a workout in because there's always time to get another workout in. There's not always time to catch up on sleep, and I know that having been lived in a world where sleep was at a premium and I regularly went without. So, you know, to say things like, like to to basically post and be out there saying that you're less than for not doing X, Y, and Z, or just not doing what I'm doing, right? Listen, I, do, do I think CrossFit is healthy? Not really. The, the amount of people that I know that have done CrossFit that end up with pretty nasty injuries is longer than the list of people that I know who do CrossFit and don't and, and aren't. I mean, the same could be said for MMA stuff. You know, there people get banged up in that all the time because it's literally the nature of the game. But to sit there and say, you only should do this, or if you're not doing what I'm doing, you're wrong, or get on my level, or I don't know, man, maybe maybe people don't want to be on your level. Maybe you're just an asshole. I, I, I was that guy. I was that asshole. I can say that. I lived it. I was there. But yeah, um, toxic positivity is a little bit different. Okay, so that's that, that's more toxic inspiration. Toxic positivity. This one's interesting. I'm going to try to keep this a little short. Um, 
toxic positivity is, you know, that the people who live and it, it it generally it comes from in my opinion and this is just my opinion that's all this that's all a lot of this is um it comes from people toxic positivity comes from people who are one a little delusional a little delusional about where they're at or they come from an ivory tower where they really don't have much to worry about so when you see someone who is you know, I, I don't like calling people out by name or anything, but when you there's and there's no reason for me to 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 be stuck on this name, but somebody like Rachel Bush, right? Jordan Poyer's wife, Jordan Poyer, safety for the Bills. Rachel Bush, um, you know, fitness person, whatever. You you know, you see people on social media posting like, oh, you know, people are just miserable. People are just miserable. People are are just miserable. Well, you know, people aren't also married to a multi-million dollar athlete and make money on the fact that they have boobs and a butt. Because, I mean, more good, like good on you. If you have it and you use it and you can make money on it, who am I to judge? Who am I to blame? But don't sit in that ivory tower of... You know, at a young age, I was blessed with incredible good looks, and I made a lot of money because of it. And tell other people how to, you know, how to how to be, you know, just be positive, just be, just be a good person, just be, just be happy. Like, guess what? Just be happy. Not an answer. Not an answer for the real world with people dealing with like legitimate real stuff. If you own three houses and you really never had an actual break your back job, and again, you don't need to ever have a break your back job. If you don't have to, don't do it. But if you've never had to drag your ass through a 12, 14, 16, 18, 20 hour day and stay up way too long, eat way too little, sleep way too like no nowhere near enough. If you've never had to do those struggles and have like, then don't tell people who have that live that life that, you know, it's okay. Like, just be happy. Just, just change your perspective. Cause sometimes it's not just a perspective thing. Sometimes you're in the shit and listen, and this is me telling you, it is okay to be in the shit. Sometimes you're in the shit. Nobody, not nobody, nobody. Jaws literally means nobody. Is happy go lucky, skip to my loo, horseshoes and rainbows shooting out of my ass, happy and positive all the time. Nobody. Nobody. One more time. Nobody is positive and happy all the time. It is impossible. Not possible to happen. It is okay. To be in the shit. It is okay not to be okay. It's not okay to quit. It's not okay to give up. It's not okay to walk away. And that doesn't mean just shut up and smile. That means sometimes you end up spending a day or two in bed, cuddled up, doing nothing, watching TV, scrolling TikTok, whatever. As long as at some point you roll your ass out of bed and you make yourself a cup of coffee and you try. That's all it takes. That's it. Just try. Give it a shot. And if it doesn't work, try again tomorrow. You don't need to be a millionaire in a week. You don't need to be, you know, you don't need to keep up with the Joneses. You need to be a little bit better than you were yesterday. And if you weren't, you at least got to try. That's it. That's how you get through the world. That's how you get through day-to-day life. 
It's not about sunshine roses, shut up and go to the gym and, you know, hang out with if you hang out with five different million, you know, five other five millionaires, you're going to become the sixth. I don't know. How, how do you, who knows that many millionaires? What general person knows that many people that you can just hang out with all the time? And it, listen, that is such a that is such a crap thing to say because if everyone just hung out with millionaires, not a, not all of you are going to become millionaires. That's not a thing. <laughs> money, it, like you don't get money via osmosis. And like I said, not every millionaire earned it. Some of them were given it. Some of them were born into it. Some of them lucked into it in one way or another. When you have it, it's easier to get more of it. When you don't, it's harder to get. There's always ways to make money. Don't get that twisted. There's always ways to make money. There's, depending upon what you're willing to do and willing to sacrifice, there's always ways to make money. However, this idea that if you just befriend five millionaires, you're going to become the sixth. If you don't have a pot to piss in, if you are living paycheck to paycheck and have to work 60 hours, 80 hours a week to make that work. I don't know how much time you're spending with other people, let alone finding five millionaires to hang out with flawed concepts. People, this whole thing derailed. This is what happens when I don't like, I have a plan, but I don't have like a map and I like not having a map because I like kind of just letting it happen, letting it flow. So toxic gym bullshit, knock it off. Toxic positivity, knock it off. You're not helping. And listen, you know what it is when you see it, right? You know what it is when you see it. And the funny part is most of that stuff is meant as armor for fragile people. Toxic positivity, toxic inspiration is body armor for people who are fragile. here's how you can tell and this is where i'm going to end the here's how you can tell if what you're seeing is being posted by someone who's being paid it all looks spot on and professional if it's posted by someone who needs it for body armor look at what they look at how they post things look at look at how look at the look at the validation they're seeking right if you're if every picture you are in and ever take is posed and staged because you're fragile. Listen, and it's your social media. You can pick and choose. But we all know the horse stance. We all know the girls that do the gym selfie with the horse stance. You know, we all know the guys who like hold their phone in a way where they can flex and pop the bicep a little bit. I get it, man. But like <clears throat> when you're fragile, careful. Because all it takes is something to sneak through those defenses. <clears throat> I'm coughing because I'm talking with passion and fire and my throat doesn't like it right now all right uh i'm gonna do i'm gonna get off i'm gonna stop before i get way too far off track uh again toxic gym bullshit knock it off toxic inspiration knock it off toxic positivity knock it off um and it's not gonna stop it's not so for those of you who struggle when you see stuff like that understand your life and their life are not the same their life is 100 percent not as great as it seems on social media because no one's is Social media is a lens that people only show the good stuff. And when people show the bad stuff, it's either really bad or it's attention seeking. Social media is toxic. 
I wish I was not nearly as much as I am, but I am. It's kind of the nature of some of the things I do. And I have to put up walls for myself. I have to put up, I have to like tell myself to walk away. Um, well, this was a completely derailed episode. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, well, if you made it this far, thank you. Uh, I will try to be a little bit more less babbly, a little bit more on point. I don't know. Maybe I'll start trying to. I'm pretty sure this is why I decided to have a co-host for Common Debauchery, because this is kind of what Common Debauchery was supposed to be. But uh, I ended up wanting to have a co-host because I felt like I just rambled and lost my train of thought a lot. But, um, you know, it, we'll see. We'll see where this goes. We'll see how it goes. I This was the first time I felt some fire and passion um, about podcasting and stuff that way that I did. So uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. Jaws of Life, part of the BICVP Radio Network. Check us out online, BICVP-radio.com. Uh, like, follow, share, subscribe, tell all your friends. Find me on social media, Jaws of Life on Twitter and The Jaws of Life on Facebook. Like, follow, share, subscribe, tell your friends. And as always, we'll see you next... I don't know. I don't have an always. This is episode one. I got to figure out a sign-off. I don't know. Okay, bye. <laughs>